0: Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM.
1: Welcome to Business Eye on this Friday afternoon. I would normally say a beautiful Friday afternoon, but it's raining. It's raining and I'm feeling a little bit sad as well because my co-host, Simon, is not here with me today. Oh, yes, we hear Danny, our engineer, again, was a little in the background there as well. He's off in Donegal somewhere with his wife on a beautiful romantic weekend. But, hey, life goes on, the show goes on. We have some great guests today on Business Eye. And the first guest today is Maureen from Soft Skills. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Thanks, Joe. Delighted to be here.
1: Yes, it's. Uh, I have seen some of your videos up on... LinkedIn I have seen them on Twitter I have seen them on Face I think on Facebook as well mm-hmm. and it's all about presentations isn't it
2: presentation skills communication skills but particularly presentation skills yeah so I'm I'm putting a lot of videos out there just to show people What I can do and help hopefully give them some tips and techniques as to how they can just show small little tweaks that they can make maybe to presentation skills in any type of situation.
1: Well, I love them. You're doing a a little short videos. It's 12 tips. You're you're putting them out each day as well. Mm. And what I love about it is it's they're so natural. Do you know the, the way they come across? And I'm even watching them, and I'm watching them a few times, and going, "Aha! I've had a ha ha moment. I've had that ha moment." And we could get you in here to do a couple of uh, <laughs> workshops with some of the guys in here as well.
2: Name the date, yeah. N- name the dates, <laughs>
1: yes. Now, Danny, come in here now, John. So, you're a school teacher by trade, we yes, could say. Yes. Yeah. So, a school teacher. Why did suddenly this? Do you know from teaching primary or secondary?
2: Secondary. So, so
1: oh, well, then I can understand. <laughs> left. So from secondary, you kind of went, OK, I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to use... Is it passion or love for for teaching or for helping people express themselves and go into the corporate world? Where was that? How did that happen?
2: How did that happen? Well, I suppose the, the teaching side is something that I've always wanted to do from the time I was a child. All I ever wanted to do was teach and I loved it and I still love teaching. And two years ago when my, my youngest son started off into college, And then the house that was the empty nest at home. And I suppose that was one thing that made me start thinking about what do I want to do? And a couple of close people very close to me had passed away recently. And I was just just questioning different things about life. And part of it was, do I want to teach for the rest of my life? And another big question was, is there anything else I can do? Yeah. Am I able to do anything else? So I decided that I would apply for a career break and I really didn't know at the time what I was going to do at that stage. Went to a career coach and the advice was, well, teaching seems to be what you're good at. Why don't you do that? And I'm like, okay, well, how can I use those skills? So I decided that I would go into training and did the professional practice search last year in training and development. And then it was like, well, okay, now I can train. What will I train? But I've been a member of Toastmasters for the past nine years. So they're skills that I have. And then it just seemed a natural fit. So that's. So,
1: so it was kind of going, okay, I need to express myself a little more. I've, you know, there, there is time. I don't want to Wake up when I'm 19. Go, oh my God! I haven't experienced other things in life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was, I love it there. What you said that you know you wanted to do. You realize your you know your vocation. Let's call it is is a trainer, a teacher. But then the when was it the ha ha moment? He went. Do you know what? I've been in Toastmasters for nine years, and I'm going to marry these two together. Was mm-hmm. that was there an excitement when you just when that kind of that realization hit you?
2: Um. I suppose it sort of evolved into that because when I was first doing the the training course and I thought, okay, I'll do general soft skills. That's where the name soft skills success came from for the business. And then, you know, when I was when I had no business background, no business experience, went to my first chamber meeting, clear chamber. And, you know, the advice I was given was you need to narrow down. You need to find a niche. So rather than trying to find a niche market at that stage, I said, right, I'll find a niche service and that's why I focused um, on the presentation and communication skills. And I thought that was, yeah, I suppose it was the easiest, most natural way for me to go.
1: <laughs> do, do you think being, you know, getting into sort of the natural way and, you know, presentation skills that you kind of, I have to oh I have to be really good at this myself all the time. You know, like even there sitting is. even sitting here talking to me, you know, do you kinda of go, Oh, I, I can't mess up or whatever because I this hadn't thought it until you <laughs> just said it there no. and <laughs> well, you know, there
2: is there is a certain amount I, I I flip it around and I look at it as being a, an opportunity. So I attend a lot of networking events and at those networking events there's very often the sixty second pitch. So I see that each week as me having not just the opportunity to promote my business, but to to really show what it is that I can do. And an example of that was at I wasn't very long member of Kildare Chamber and, and business each week gets the opportunity to do a 10-minute presentation on their business and I went in and heard that the person who was supposed to do it wasn't able and I said well do you want me to do something and I gave a 10-minute presentation off the not off the cuff I sat down for 5 minutes and I put it together and that actually showed people in the room far better than anything I could have prepared what I was able to do, how I was able to deliver. And that's the type of thing, I suppose, that I've got skills to be able to do that.
1: I'm sure it's a question that you get answered all the time, and I'm going to ask it anyway, is which, who's harder to teach, teenagers or adults? Or which is more, no, which is more fun? <laughs>
2: had some more fun! i was de- delivering a networking masterclass yesterday at, for the National Women's and Enterprise Day in the Curra in Kildare and i loved every second of it it was a, it was a 45 minute workshop time was running over so i had to cut it back i cut it back to about 35 minutes and i was just loving every second of it because the the ladies that were there were literally on the edge of their seat listening to what i'm saying you try teaching Teenage boys, Irish and French—you don't quite get the same level of attention. No, you know? No, there's, there's
1: they're not hanging on every things. word. Oh my God! Li- oh, listen to teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I, yeah. yeah, I would say that the adults respect. I think which comes in. You know,
2: there's it, there's a certain yeah. level of appreciation. Very often yeah. from from students, they don't realise until after they've left school that the effort that teachers are putting in and that it was genuinely for their good and that they weren't on their case all the time for the sake of just being on their case. Yeah. But I suppose adults are there and they appreciate much more.
1: Do you cringe sometimes when you go to, you know, networking meetings or events and you hear people speaking or do you, are you always judging when someone is speaking out they could have done that better they could have done that do you know what I'm trying to get at I is know there, what yeah. you're saying yeah.
2: it's, it's not the, the cringing definitely not the cringing and not the judging but sometimes you just think just a little tweak would just make a difference there and sometimes that can be in a sitting down having a one-to-one with someone afterwards I might just give a little suggestion and yeah. that is is enough to sort of change
1: Is it ever a case then of the suggestion that you'd ever said to someone no not for you. Do you know, it's it's stage is not for you. Have you ever, do you know, it's, it's being honest with someone, isn't it really? Do you mm-hmm. know, have you? No, not for you.
2: No. I think you can tailor the way that the presentation is given depending on the person that's there. And for some people, it could be that they need to read all of their presentation out because they're just too nervous to stand and to be able to deliver it without notes. So then there's a way that you can manage that as well so that they can still try to keep eye contact with the audience by you know, there are different tips that you can use there. So if the writing is in large font and it's only taking half the page, it means that they're not their head isn't dropping down so that the illusion is created of eye contact. Yeah. So that's the
1: Isn't it eye contact I think is is the most crucial mm-hmm. thing. I always, when I'm at an event or if I'm speaking at an event, I try to make contact with everybody in the audience mm. because that is the human connection on it um, PowerPoint. Do you believe in PowerPoint? Do you disagree with PowerPoint or, or how it is used?
2: The PowerPoint gets very bad press, very bad name, and it is the one thing that the most common question that people ask me on social media is about PowerPoint and use of PowerPoint. And an awful lot of people mistake the word presentation and doing a presentation with a PowerPoint. The two are almost interlinked as being the same thing. The first question that needs to be asked is, do you need PowerPoint? Yeah. That's first and foremost. If somebody's speech, presentation is very much story based, then they're going to lose that connection by having PowerPoint. Because even if it's just a picture in the background, people's attention are are drawn to that. If you think when you're in the pub, even if the TV is down, it's over someone's shoulder that you're going to be watching all the time. So first and foremost is, do you need PowerPoint? Do some people
1: use it as a crutch?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And you have people who say, oh, I need it for my notes. Or that they want to give extra information to the audience. And if you're giving extra information to the audience on a PowerPoint, it means people are reading what's there behind you and they're not paying attention to what you're saying. So give it in a handout instead.
1: Yeah, I I remember when PowerPoint was what came out and it was the beginning of PowerPoint. And I remember creating my first PowerPoint. I still have it actually at home. 89 slides And I realised that it was the whole course that I had put on. (laughs) (laughs) This was this has gone back, God, nineteen years ago. So that's how when PowerPoint probably Mm. was coming out, and I remember creating this on these slides, and I was kind of going, "Oh my God!" And I'm looking back now and laughing. If I do use it now. I only use images yeah. and that's and the image is because it's the visual part of it where people, when you're thinking and they might go, aha, the aha mm-hmm. moment. Um, I've seen people myself talk and they have the slides and they're looking back at the slides to sort of read what, what's on it as yeah. well. So it's that that tweak on it.
2: Yeah, the PowerPoint, the key thing I'd say, does it help the audience better understand or better remember what you're saying? And if it doesn't, then you don't need it. Lose it. Yeah, lose it. On absolutely. It.
1: What about dress? Do you know, should someone dress in a certain way or is it just... Uh, I know an unusual question. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, th- I think you need to show respect for the audience. Yeah, and there's a, there's a guideline that's out there that you should dress one level up from your audience. So, I suppose the, the thing is, it's bearing in mind. Who your audience are? What's going to be an appropriate dress code for them? Um, you had your guest in here last week who was talking about dress and corporate dress and all of that, yeah, and what's yeah, what's yeah, suitable. Very, yes, yeah. so you know it's this. It's the same thing there. If you want to, if you want people to connect with you and to listen to you, you have they they have to see themselves in the words that you're using and the way that you dress.
1: Yeah, I and. It's how you want people to perceive you. Do mm. you know they want to see you as, you know, professional or do you want to see you as a messer? I, I yeah. think that there is that line and it's people want to do business with people that influence them
0: mm. yeah. or want to yeah. be
1: like you or, or, or whatever is yeah. well. What, what would you say are the, the, the tips that someone who is starting off and are not too sure on what they're doing? And want to have a better in, a better insight onto it. Into into talking into, into talking. talking
2: in general. First thing always: who is the audience that, that that are going to be listening to you? What what audience are you going to be speaking to? So whether it's at a, a networking event and you're doing a presentation that's there whether it's to clients that you're doing a presentation if it is we'd say an internal presentation that you're doing who are the audience what information do they have already what information do they need to know and just the minimum of what they need to know because we feel we have to give information overload people feel I've got so much to say on this and I've got need to tell everything people don't remember it
1: that's great look we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and going to ask you a few questions on about overload
0: Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome back. We're talking about presentation skills. And I'm real. I have a list of questions here that's buzzing through my mind because I always want to be the best of the best as what I can be. And I want to find out what are the do's and don'ts that people need to know or should do as well. And we were talking that before the break. Give us some more tips on what people should do or not do.
2: Okay, well, I suppose the the I had said about thinking about your audience and about not having too much information. So then try to have what your key message is. So what do you want the audience to take away one sentence, what at the end of your talk that they're going to know? So, for example, Joe, you're doing your TEDx talk next week. So what you will have thought of is what? Are the audience going to take away in one sentence by the end of this?
1: But is there always meant to? Be, is there meant to be one takeaway? I'm giving you a finger down and saying one takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> or is there three takeaways that they should have?
2: So, in, but if in you one have one
1: sentence, that's yeah, yeah.
2: If you say by the end of my presentation, the audience are going to have three key tips that they can use in their life. Whatever. So you know. Once, once you have it clarified for yourself, then it makes it easier because if you've identified who your audience are, you've identified what your message is, then your next thing is, OK, what information do I have on all of this topic? And then you go through the information that you have and you say, what information is going to suit this audience to get this message across?
1: So it's linking as well, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Linking yeah. between start, middle and end. Yeah. Is that where some people fall down because they tell the beginning and they don't have that bridge that links to what the story is?
2: I, I always start in I start in the middle. I leave my opening until the end, so I try to have three points in what it is that you're saying because our our minds like patterns. And three is a small, the smallest number that you can use to have a pattern. So it's good. It's easy. Then it gives clear structure to what you're saying to help you remember it. It gives clear structure to the audience so they know exactly what it is that you're saying. So the body of it broken into the three parts. And when that's done, then I would build the opening around that and then the closing. Overload. Yeah.
1: Some people try and give too much information in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Is that is that another issue that people kind of go? Okay, you have fifteen points here. Only give three because you could make fifteen different speeches. Absolutely, in that on it, yeah. Yeah.
2: If you think about it, have you ever been into a restaurant and you've got pages and pages of a menu and you just cannot choose what to it point. is that yeah. what you want to eat it's the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, That reminds me, do you ever, do you know where you're on holidays and there's a strip of all restaurants and you look at the first two and then you walk down the yeah. whole strip and everyone argues about where you are. And then you end up going back to the first one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Every night. <laughs> Every
1: night. <laughs> and, and it's it's like when I go to a, a Indian restaurant, I'll look at, as you said, I'll look at everything. But I always order, order uh, lamb, rogue and Josh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
2: but at the same time, it, there's all of this information and it's almost like too much as too much choice. And it's like, I just can't decide. So then you go for. Yeah.
1: yeah go for the familiar. The, so we're look, it's the do's and don'ts. You know, it's the overloading. It's the links as well between each part of your presentation. Mm hmm clear speech as well is that very important it is
2: and part of the clear speech is going to be not speaking too quickly and particularly when when we're nervous we tend to speak very very fast so it's as part of the practice and the practice allowed this would be a big thing that I would say because something could read really really well You've a speech written out on paper and it reads very well, but it's very difficult and awkward to say because it's a different type of language that you're yeah. using. So when it is a speech that you're delivering, then it's going to be short sentences, it's going to be simpler words, and clear ideas, and that you're you're practicing that aloud so that you know what it sounds like and you know where you c- can pause, where you can maybe put in extra emphasis on words and and so on to vary tone.
1: Yeah, so it's the tonality as well, it's, yeah. it's which is quite important. What about uh, moving across the stage? Is yes or no? You know, I've seen and I am a bit of a pacer myself because I'm connecting with the audience. But can you overdo it as well?
2: Yeah, because it can be very distracting. If somebody is pacing back and forth, it can be very distracting. So it's just a matter of, of thinking things through when you are making your main point or any important point, stand in the centre so that everybody has very clear view of you. If it's a case that you are using PowerPoint that and you want to make a very important point and you don't want them distracted at all, blank out the PowerPoint. You can press B on the laptop to do that if, if there isn't a blank on the clicker. So that means full attention is on you. And it creates a bit of variety as well because the audience are like, what's going wrong with the PowerPoint? And they're yeah, focused on you.
1: But something always goes wrong with the PowerPoint. I've never been to a presentation... Ever that if there's different speakers, that everything runs smoothly with the PowerPoint. That's something always goes wrong, and about.
2: that's why your key thing, your notes aren't on the PowerPoint. Yeah. So the PowerPoint is there as eighty nine s- as slides. the extra piece. <laughs> and when you're practicing, practice without the PowerPoint as well, so that you're not depending on what's coming up as your trigger for what you want to say.
1: Yeah, it's it's so it's 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 all these little small little. Key features that make it a great speech. Are we, do we try and woo the audience for a clap or are we trying to do it for them to have that haha moment themselves? Like, is it, do you know, like click, mm. click applause or inspirational?
2: Think back to what I said about what's the key message that you want the audience to take away at the end. Mm. And if you're focusing on that, it means that you're focusing on the audience for the right reasons. And it's not about um, getting the clap or getting, you know, uh, all of the praise afterwards. It's they're going to get this message. I'm going to deliver that to the best of my ability.
1: Yeah. The, the one thing that I find is if you're why you need to practice it is because as you're talking, that thought can pop into your head and go, oh, my God, that's a great idea. And you say it, but there's you have nothing to back it up at the end mm-hmm. and you get thrown where those thoughts that come in, you have to push them out and focus on your message all the time mm-hmm.
2: on it. It depends on the type of situation and the type of, you know, sometimes you might have a, a loose idea a loose plan of where you're going with the talk that you're going to be delivering and sometimes it's a much more structured type of situation so if it's structured I would keep to the structure unless you're very confident that you're going to be able to work it in and weave it in naturally to what it is you're saying rather than going off on a tangent and leaving people wondering what was that all about.
1: Harder for a long hour speech or a five minute speech?
2: Oh, five minutes, no doubt. No doubt. You know, yesterday, yesterday I was planning for 45 minutes, but I had enough leeway in it So, said right, I can cut, chop this out if need be. It was part of the interactive part of it. But, you've got much more flexibility. You can you can go do your little side tracks a little bit. There were examples that I thought of yesterday on the spot that I was able to bring in because it wasn't a form of speech. Whereas five minutes, you really have to be very exact. Yeah. yeah,
0: you
1: have to, yeah, because that's what's happening with myself, with the TEDx that I'm, it's, I think it's about five to eight minutes. So it's really learning to condense. Mm. It's something down. Do you know, we, we can talk about, something for 10 minutes or we can try and get that down into one minute so we can tell people the rest of the story so yeah. that's what I'm 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 finding very very interesting as well on yeah. it so what's the future what is the future for yourself where 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 does the you know where does where, does, where do you see it all going
2: I have I have no idea <laughs> because this time last year I didn't even think I was going to be setting up a business yeah so it's actually very difficult to know and to see, but at the moment I am absolutely loving what it is that I'm doing. I'm loving working with people, whether it's one-to-one or in workshops or in larger situations, in-house situations. So I'm loving that. I'm loving the challenge of it and we'll see where it takes me.
1: Passion. Totally. Driven. Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah. yeah. Lo- you know, that it's a, it's wonderful to be able to To be doing what you're doing and just think, yeah, I'm really loving this. What
1: fear holds you?
2: What fear holds me?
1: In this whole process. I'm just
2: trying to think of that now. I can't think of any fear, which is not sort of saying I'm fearless, but nothing nothing springs to mind at the moment. I have pushed myself further since leaving teaching than I ever thought possible. So the more you push yourself, the more you realise, do you know what, I can do this? And if I don't and it doesn't work out, so what? I tried. It, it's uh,
1: like we were speaking there before we came on air uh, about, you know, sales, marketing and business and how people to grow. And I've learned myself over the years that it's all about self-confidence. It's mm-hmm. all about self-belief it's all about self-worth. And I think that's, I think there's a stage, like I read somewhere that the biggest fear that people have in life is standing on stage and talking to people. I'm blessed in a way, I never had that. Mm. I've, you know, I've, you know, people used to, neighbours of mine used to look through the window when I was a kid and used to be dancing in the kitchen with a sweetened brush, you know, and singing. I know I'm a rubbish singer, but I like entertaining, Mm. you know, but... um, But I was shocked at the biggest fear people have is public speaking
2: That's a misquoted is statistic it? Yeah. it is a misquoted yeah. statistic yeah it was and that's a whole other day's yeah, it's, no, it's a whole you know, other day's it's, uh, discussion As one of the, the points that I make to people with regard to using statistics in speeches and all that to back them up and to check them yeah, and to make sure yeah. because it's it's all over the place people fear it more than death but when you actually go and dig deep into it people were given a list of fears apparently I'm not 100% sure yeah. on the facts of this they were given a list of fears but there were things like um, drowning and death and but there were whole variations of death and public speaking was one of them so then
1: it's it's like the 10,000 hours you know coming an expert that that The theory is based on, um, I think it was violinists or piano, people playing the piano. But all these people were head of their game already. Mm. And then they got them to spend 10,000 hours, which then brought them to the next level. And it's that again, as it's, you know, hang on. It's not really, you know, 10,000 hours makes you an expert. If you had someone who could never run, 10,000 hours wouldn't make them an Olympic runner. Exactly. It's, you know, so yeah, exactly, it's, it's interesting yeah. on that yeah. on it. But 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 you, you said it there as well. Facts. We talk an awful lot about fake news. Mm-hmm. Do people need to really back up which you know the statements that they're making, or can they get away with it nowadays?
2: I think, I don't think you can get away with anything nowadays. Cause if you throw out a statistic, someone can look it up on their phone, you know, before you yeah. before you finished your sentence, they will know. And it's your credibility that's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Honest, so if, if you give a fact that's incorrect and you're stating it as being fact, then people are sort of saying, well, they don't really know what they're the talking world about. The is
1: ending. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, you liar. <laughs> yes, it is, I believe it. That's another day story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, tonight uh, you are at an award ceremony. Yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that.
2: So, South, South Dublin Chamber, Award. Um, I'm a member of South Dublin Chamber and... Dare Chamber and their South Dublin County Awards are on tonight in City West Hotel. So I have been fortunate enough to be shortlisted in two categories of so the best networker and best startup business. Best networker. Yeah. That's impressive, isn't it? It's a lot of bad yeah. coffee. <laughs> <You've got laughs> a lot, a lot of bad
1: coffee. Three, four, three or four cups of coffee a day. Yes. So that's it. You also, some workshops as well coming up on presentations.
2: So it, particularly on the, the next workshop that I'm running is on the 60 second networking pitch because networking is a huge part for people going out and promoting their business and getting their business known. And a lot of people actually hate the 60 second networking pitch. So this workshop is specifically for that. And it gives the tools and a a whole technique as to how to put together a range of pitches, not just one, so that they will go away being able to deliver a different pitch every week. Where is that on? That is on in the West Grove Hotel in Clane on Tuesday the 12th of November. The tickets are on my website.
1: And if someone wants to reach you on LinkedIn where can they get you on LinkedIn?
2: So LinkedIn Maureen McCown. I'm all over social media. So the my videos that you mentioned there, I'm putting them up on social media, but they're also available on YouTube under the Soft Skills Success, um, the website softskillsuccess.ie and you can follow the page on Facebook, Twitter. I'm Maureen McCown and I've just recently got into Instagram as well. So I need to pull back on all this social media. But <laughs>
1: well, yeah, they can blow you up and an they email can. address if someone wanted to reach so out to
2: you. Maureen at softskillsuccess.ie.
1: Maureen, it's been a pleasure having you on to Business Eye. Simon would have loved to be here to get all the notes and all the information as well. I'm uh, a great half hour. Loved it.
2: Loved it. Thanks a million. And uh, look, I
1: wish you all the best in the future.
2: Thanks a million, John.
1: And uh, talk to you soon. Nice. Thank you. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Business Eye. Uh, We have our second guest in today, and it's Robert Massey. Robert is one of the directors of Massey Brothers Funeral Home. People, I tell you, it's an unusual um, conversation to have on Business Eye. But as we know, funeral directors run businesses. And when we do think of a funeral home, we think of, unfortunately, death. Uh, We think of sadness. But would it be not better that to think of it as a celebration of someone's life.
0: So, Robert, how are you? How are you doing, Joe? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, thank God.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you, you look the part.
0: Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I always say often in this job, it is all about first impressions. So uh, you always have to give the best you can you can do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it it is about first impressions. And I know because of, you know, I've had family members and myself who have passed away um, over the last couple of years as mm. well, that it's, it's, one of the calls that people have to make when someone has passed away and it's that call is who do I call and it's what is the, the reception that I'm going to get on that as well because it's,
0: it's, it's
1: the, the mental stage that's gone through someone's head to call yourselves because of the death of the, the passing of, of a loved one mm-hmm. Needs to be sort of okay. Oh my God, I'm calling this because this is the end result yeah. on it. So, in in saying that, you you mentioned to me there that it is a celebration of it's the person's celebration. Life is that the attitude or the the mission statement that you have yourselves.
0: Indeed. So, uh, honouring life is actually our mission statement, Joe. And uh, again, honouring every aspect of that person's life. So, doing your very best to uh, highlight. What makes each and every one of us individuals and makes us special. So, again, whether that's down to uh, hobbies, colours, flowers, music, we try and bring out all these aspects uh, within the funeral arrangement process. But as you say, like making that first call to a funeral director is a harrowing thing. It's a very difficult thing for the person who has lost someone. And again, they're very vulnerable at that stage. So, the most important thing for us, the funeral director, is to instill confidence in in yourself that you are the right person to look after these people um that you will make sure every avenue is looked after every part of the process is looked after and that's what that's what we do as funeral directors we um from from the moment that call is made we we look after everything we take over whether it's designing the the service arranging the where where the funeral will be taking place arranging the afters where the funeral is going back to arranging the music the flowers, everything.
1: But as a business, is it? It's you know, it's checking balances as a business, and you know, how many, how many funeral. Um Parlors? Do you have at the moment? So in
0: Dublin city, we have nine funeral homes okay. um, around the city, and they kind of vary from north to south, from Blackrock to Temple Oak to Clondalkin to Finglas. So,
1: so there's a lot of spin and plates there.
0: There is. So uh, again, we're lucky to have a great team of people and people who really care about the job that they're doing. Um, I'm actually one of five family members in my business, so I've a sister involved in the business, and I have three brothers. Yeah. So. Um, again now it's not all about our family of course we've got some great t- people in our teams in our funeral homes who have come into the business through past experiences and they love the work that it involves they love looking after people and uh, it is a very caring position that we hold and uh Looking after people is what we do.
1: Yeah, like I, I, I'm sort of trying to visualize it, you know, the Monday morning at the funeral home. And, and is it a case of, OK, we've got our we've got our list here and mm. we've got, OK, we've got Mr. Jones and Mrs. Murphy and we, we have from this and the calls are coming in. The system must be very rigid,
0: well, it has to be Joe yeah. there there is obviously a protocol in place that you have yeah. to follow because God forbid making a mistake on a funeral is something that would be unforgettable. And well, that's think, something think, yeah, yeah. we we cannot do. And thankfully, very few and far between mistakes happen in our business. yeah, um, yeah. again, and, you want every memory about the funeral to be a positive one and yeah. uh,
1: and and that's it. it's you know this is something that you can't really screw up. No, really that's it. That's it.
0: You know? I suppose for us, it's it's how do you want your loved one to be remembered? The funeral, and that's the lasting impression you would leave as as someone who has passed away. So you want it all to be positive. See, my end,
1: whole intake of dying may be slightly different from everyone else's. Or some people like I believe <laughs> that when I when I am going to die, I have this vision of going. Okay, right. I'm rubbing my hands and I'm right. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going up to see what this was all about. Yeah. That's that's. I honestly believe that it's for me. It's not. It's not the end. Yeah. It's only moving on to somewhere else. Yeah. And the people that are behind are the ones that will feel the sadness yeah. because of my loss. And again, they mightn't feel my loss. Depends. <laughs> depends who's out there. or sure engineer, might I'm feel I'm sure that he's lost if go. I'm gone. <laughs> but it's. But it's. It's okay and I'm gone and my energy has changed and I'm up and going okay brilliant and I can look back down and go ha 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 that's what (laughs) it is all about and it's a sadness so it is really when someone passes I don't really get that sad I I get that sadness of the loss that I've lost them but a part of me also is celebrating because now they're going to be in that place where answers can be answered that they couldn't get answered here on earth.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting way to look upon it and I, I'm glad you touched on it because we are all so different and that's one thing. Time and time again, no two families are the same, yeah. no two people are the same. So bringing out those unique parts in everybody is so important and um, again you obviously show no fear in death with having that belief system and that's that's a brilliant way to be it's a it's a a very powerful stance to have and again for someone like you maybe it would suit you because there's a lot of people out there now who are planning their own funerals because again their beliefs may have changed or their wants may have changed or maybe they've come separated from loved ones and families and they haven't Necessarily put their wishes down on paper, so um, that's something we're doing quite a lot of at the moment: is planning people's funerals well ahead of their time. Nice and, um, to you.
1: That's
0: Yeah, do <laughs> you, you can do make elef- a really interesting do funeral. Do you, do you do elephants? <laughs> do you? Have you
1: got elephants on your list? There's no such thing as no with our business. Show that's
0: that's that's for sure.
1: The. The big thing that what I, I'm fascinated at as well is the these pods now that you can get and get yourself put into where a tree can grow yeah, out of. Yeah. Are they happening in Ireland at the moment, or they, is that just something that hasn't reached here yet? No,
0: it has. It has reached here, and again, people are slow to try new things. And um, there's all sorts of options available to people, whether there's you can get your ashes put into a firework if you like and really? you can you can you know let that firework off into the sky and away you go but yeah. um you can there's options where people would be go out and rent a boat and take their 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 ashes out into the middle of the sea and yeah. so again it's just whether or not you're open to that or whether i often find whether you're asking the right questions but more so whether we're asking the right questions as the funeral director and not following a set script it's, all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's really bespoke, isn't it? No, it is, because it is, uh, like
0: 10, 15 years ago, Joe, every funeral would have been more or less the same. They followed the same process, they followed the same pattern. They went to the funeral home, they went to the church that evening, church the following morning, and on to the cemetery, but... That's happening less and less as time goes on. People are moving away from those secular funerals and those religious funerals, and they're doing more celebrations in in different venues. Yeah. So that's, that's, I I wouldn't say that's the driving factor. Um, Of course, burial space has become quite expensive in certain areas in Dublin and cremation is an affordable option. But then again, some people have a fear of burial.
1: Yeah, and don't yeah. have a
0: fear of the cremation like yeah. going back to the 1800s late 1900s or early 1900s people were buried with bells attached to their fingers just in and case again, uh, just in case they woke up you know up.
1: the stories about the scratching and yeah, yeah so those yeah. those
0: fears are are still very much so alive in a lot of traditional people so uh, again one way to uh Move away from that is to be cremated.
1: Yeah, I'm fair of waking up, but you can burn me alive. But it's one of the old traditions as well, it's probably phasing out. Is the horses are yes. can is there still We still have horses? So again,
0: yeah, no, and it's yes, it's it's not as popular as it was even 10 years ago, and they are more of a traditional. They are related to the traditional funeral type, but yeah, again, yeah. listen. We we have a motorbike hearse, we have a motor hearse, we have the horses. So again, it's trying to give every walk of life that option that they lived by. You know, there's still yeah. inner city Dublin eight. We have um, a couple of branches around that way, and the horses are still very popular. You see them around Guinnesses, yeah, you see no, them around yeah, yeah. Stevens Green, and
1: it's like I, I know even wakes, you know, are more popular down the country than they are in Dublin as well so it's it's, yeah and I think everything is evolving I think people are evolving people are changing and I'd like to see you know people are looking at debt in a different way and hopefully you know, a lot of people look at death the way I look at death because mm. it's, you know, it's a better way to have it than well, it. that that and of sadness. But say of the person that has passed away and the loved one that has le- been left behind. And I know of from people that have gone to bereavement counselling and they haven't got much from it. Okay. They felt that it was missing and it was lacking something. And is it something that is evolving or is it something that Jews offer as well as part of your service is that bereavement counselling that help those people get on and live their lives? Well, I
0: think as a, as an Irish culture, we're quite proud people. We're quite private people. So a lot of people like to grieve in their own way. Mm. But yes, I do think it's very important. Um, we have uh, two counsellors who work for a company, and again, in the event that people want someone to talk to, um, we would suggest these people. Again, it can be quite an emotional experience, so it's very important to us that we're, we're putting the right people in front of them. Um, but each to their own, everyone is different. And again, what might suit me might not suit you. So I would always just encourage people to talk to people after the bereavement ask yeah. for help don't be don't be scared of asking for help
1: yeah t- talk is the biggest issue isn't it it is people, I, I think, it its yeah, and I do think and
0: I do think just culturally we're just we're strong people and we don't feel that that's something that would be welcomed but
1: statistics is it a fact or fiction that someone who passes away their partners you can a lot die within that first year of them passing away fact fiction
0: Um. Uh, No, It can happen. It all depends on mental state though. It all depends on how you view that. And again, I've known people who sadly maybe they might have been married to their wife 50 years, the wife passes away and you can see these people deteriorate then after because they relied so much on each other. They would live, see it as a long
1: life is ha- it, it, it's a happy loving relationship, and they're the people that that lived the longest. Yeah. It is, yeah. Like my uh,
0: my my mother in law sadly passed away just nearly three years ago, and the impact it's had on Jimmy, my father in law, was it's amazing the love that they had, but he's very he's very clear on what, and that he will see her again, but he feels honoring her every day and going to see her every day, that's part of his process. And... uh
1: it's about caring, isn't it? For yeah. yourselves as a business, it's about really caring on it. Oh, yeah. that's it. Look, we're, um, if people want to find out more about the the counselling that you have or to find out about the services that you've offered, where can they, where can they well, reach out to you? Well, all the information on,
0: is on our website, so And again, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, My email address is robert at com,
1: And and Robert, you're on LinkedIn as well. I am on LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah. That's where we uh, connected. That's it, indeed, Joe. And
0: uh, God, I'd even... uh, My my own mobile number is, again, it's all over the internet so people can reach out to my phone and uh, just ask the questions. Just ask the questions. And again, it's always... To me, it's important that maybe we do have the conversation first. So I would know maybe who is the right person for them. But... Anam Kara is a great group of bereavement counsellors. In my opinion, they deal a lot with kind of child deaths and stuff like that. It's very important.
1: Robert, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on to Business Eye. Uh, It's, it's, as I say, it's a business uh, worth investigating, as they say.
0: Thank you very much. (laughs) Take care. Thanks for having us. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM.